I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codename Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's our weekly listener mail segment. Uh, once again, we have an embarrassment of riches. Uh, also, we behind the scenes, fellow conspiracy realists, we usually spend about five to ten minutes catching up on a bunch of stuff that doesn't make it to air. Uh, one day soon, guys, I think it, it would be worth having a, a behind the scenes stuff they don't want you to know. But that's a story for another day, because what you'll find out in today's episode is that several of our fellow listeners think there's a lot going on behind the scenes, Uh, not just in the U.S., not just on this podcast, but around the world. And as you know, we endeavor to be kind of like the moray eel. When we bite into a story, we don't let go just because the news cycle has shifted. So our first story today is a, a piece of correspondence updating on a mystery that haunted us. Gosh, when when was that, Noel? It was... Uh... 
Yeah, it was um, years back ago? in 2018, mm. early September, mm-hmm. is when uh, the news broke of these strange illnesses that were uh, striking U.S. embassy workers in Cuba. Uh, that were linked to some kind of weird, futuristic-sounding technology. Um, and we, we definitely have a very interesting update on that that came from Shawnee L., who wrote, uh, thought you might find this interesting. Lots of people in India are sick thinking this is what it was. And then linked to a Wall Street Journal article, um, the headline of which is U.S. diplomats' illnesses likely linked to pulsed energy attacks. So let's let's rewind back to September 1st of 2018 when this article in the New York Times came out, microwave weapons are prime suspect in ills of US embassy workers. Um, a group of doctors and scientists uh, were able to um, kind of analyze the symptoms that were kind of affecting, afflicting these embassy workers and uh, decided that actual brain damage was a possibility, um, but also included uh, delusions and hallucinations of like kind of sonic varieties. Um, And it was not only uh, hitting the workers themselves, but also their family members. And Ben, this was something that I think you brought to the table in an episode we did uh, way back when, just about sonic weaponry in general, or uh, this kind of this this sort of genre of weapon, isn't that right? Yeah, that's correct. This sounds like science fiction to a lot of people, but unfortunately, that is that is not the case. Uh, this would be categorized as a form of non lethal weaponry, similar to a very very low tech things like rubber bullets or pepper spray. Uh, along with the uh, crowd control or crowd dispersal technology, which we've seen deployed mm-hmm. in various protests. And and I, I use the term sonic weaponry because that was the subject of the episode that I think this topic came up in. But this would be more like a low-level radiation or, or microwave um, weapons. And and the one of the crowd dispersal weapons you're talking about, the quote-unquote non-lethal um, that we were seeing kind of deployed in some of these recent protests, is a sonic kind of canon that uh, reportedly makes people feel like their skin is burning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's I- extremely unpleasant. And that isn't exactly what the folks in Cuba and several other embassies were experiencing. Theirs was seemed to be more neurological in in nature, That's right. which is interesting mm-hmm. to me. So I, I'm wondering if it's a, a variation well, on that technology. It's called Havana right? yeah. Syndrome. That's right. That's what it was uh, yeah, and, and, it, and it actually has a pretty interesting history. Um, in the original New York Times article that I was talking about by William J. Broad, uh, it opens talking about some Cold War kind of paranoia that Washington had that the Russians were trying to turn microwave radiation into mind control weapons. Um, this is not that, but it is potentially using that same te- technology uh, to sicken people from a distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, th- there have been some ongoing updates. Just because this story seemed so bizarre at the time when it occurred, uh, because either either possibility was disturbing. The first possibility would be that there is some sort of psychological illness, which the State Department under Pompeo implied. Uh, many people saw that as incredibly dismissive 
right? So the idea that the these people were just sort of experiencing something akin to a hallucination. Uh, and then the other idea that someone had the uh, temerity to deploy a weapon like this on uh, the on the employees of the world's most powerful military. That's that's scary. That's what diplomats would call a bellicose action. We should also point out it occurred first in Cuba, then in China, then in Russia, then in several other countries. So there was there was a pattern. But this one, Noel, uh, as it's taking place, or this story is alleged to take place on uh, the border with China and India. That border in particular is something that we noted in the past as a potential hotspot, a potential origin point for a, a hot war. There's actually, there's a treaty that the, or an agreement, I should say, that China and India have about this border uh, where where they both agreed not to have any members of their armed forces carry firearms. And mm. these these guys regularly and recently have just beaten the shit out of each other with sticks and stones. It's It's terrifying to think what would happen if there were high-tech weapons of war deployed there. Yeah, so it's like the diplomatic equivalent of like beating someone up with like a phone book so it doesn't leave a mark. You know? Yeah, or a bag of oranges. Bag know? of oranges, you know, socks loaded with quarters, any of those. Um, but so the symptoms that are identical to the ones that we discussed in that article from 2018 um, include fatigue, nausea, anxiety, cognitive difficulties, memory loss, uh, dizziness, headaches. Might have said dizziness twice, uh, but it was described as, quote, unlike any disorder in the neurological or general medical literature. Um, and, and, and in this, this updated story, um, you know, in this conflict on the border um, in India, between India and China, uh, it's uh, U.S. and Canadian diplomats that are being afflicted by these. Uh, and there was a panel that was assembled of 19 scientists and medical experts that took a look at the, the data and, and the, um, the symptoms and made this assessment that it only could have been caused by a, quote, directed radio frequency energy attack um, rather than some kind of, you know, accidental environmental exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And there was a, a quote here from the BBC article that, and it, it, the quote is from the BBC article, but it's actually written in this report that recently came out. And it was looking into the effects that occurred in Russia. And here's the quote, significant research in Russia, USSR, into the effects of pulsed rather than continuous wave radio frequency exposures. Um the Eurasian communist countries had also been exposed to something, but it was, they're calling it non-thermal radiation. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. it's being referred to there. And it's a really stupid question, you guys, but yeah, they say don't stand too close to the microwave and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, this is what we're talking about. Are we talking about just like a, a more focused version of the type of energy that is emitted by a microwave oven? Yeah. So to break it down, to get back to my house of works roots here, uh, Microwave weapons have a similar effect like an oven. So, you know, microwaves heat water molecules, right? That's that's what they do. And that's why they heat things a little bit differently than your conventional oven. Microwave weapons can use this same technology, this same process 
to heat water molecules in your body. It's weird because I, I don't know if you guys ever did this. Um, I tried to make, confession, I tried to make a microwave weapon when I was a kid. I had this old microwave, and me and some <laughs> friends took it to a junkyard, and we cleaned out this abandoned tractor trailer, and we ran like an electrical cord, and we mm-hmm. detached, uh, you know, the covering and the door and stuff, and then we, <laughs> we, uh, we plugged it in and, and ran away. Or we plugged in from some distance. Uh, we were stupid. It didn't work. But someone's figured it out. Someone was smarter than I was at age nine. I I don't know what to say about that, Ben. I, I, you started I'm glad you're early. okay. I'm glad you're okay is what I will say to that. Um, <laughs> it's true, though, Ben. Someone does seem to have figured it out. Uh, but yet we were talking off air about this. Like, it's not like you can look up a schematic for what this thing is or that it even has a name. We're kind of describing the symptoms of a weapon that, you know, for all intents and purposes, may or may not exist, right? I, mean, you know, no. I don't know. Like, yeah, go ahead. I bet you can find it in the patents that the the, the U.S. government makes oh, every you think year. So? I, don't I think bet so. it's in there. I don't I'll, think so. I'll, I'll, help you, I'll help you guys out here. Uh, China has displayed at least their version of something like this in the past. Okay. It's the poly WB dash one. We call it a millimeter wave weapon. And it does the same thing. It, it heats the water under your skin. So it's considered a non-lethal ray gun, but again, non-lethal it comes with a lot of caveats and asterisks. So if you, if you search for poly WB dash one, then you'll be able to see, uh, a little bit more about this. Uh, it's what would be called like an active denial system. Uh, in a report from 2014, what you can see is that the technology is there, but it's not perfect. This system takes, at least the one they publicly displayed in 2014, took about 16 hours to warm up. So you had to kind of predict where people were going to be more than half a day later. Wow. Well, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's kind of terrifying. Uh, it's it's referred to in a lot of writing as I'm googling this as a pain gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It causes pain. pain. Oh, quick. Uh, sorry, guys. Quick correction on my part. Uh, I got my microwaves crossed here. The ADS active denial system is the U.S. version. Yes. Of what China's doing. China's is or one of them is the Poly WB one. But the U- Uncle Sam has one too. Okay, so this is a little less clandestine maybe than I had originally thought, but what's the what's the mystery here then? Like, we, we, like the question is like who's using it on whom? Is it uh it's obviously being done covertly. It's not like a form of crowd control. Like is this a stronger weapon because it can be deployed from farther away? Mm-hmm. I was kind of interested in like where the uh how this is different than like all of these write-ups that I'm seeing about, you know, devices like this. Yeah, yeah. So one of the big differences would be uh, the degree of uh, efficacy of the weapon, right? Yeah. So the stuff that we're seeing reported on now is not like a handheld pistol, right? It's not. It's not a pain pistol, uh, but there might be there might be something like that that's just classified. Spycraft loves tiny things. You Got know it. what yeah. I mean? Well, it's uh, true. It's, it does love the the covert version of whatever the thing is, right? And the mm-hmm. version of the thing, at least currently, that we know of is a giant, almost looks like radar dish 
mm-hmm. mounted on you know a Humvee or some other large vehicle. That's what that's what the heat rays are. At least the active denial system. Mm-hmm. Um, but in these cases, you're dealing with people who are having these effects who are inside their interior. They're in an embassy a lot of times, in a hotel a lot of times, and it's not as though you could easily deploy a system like that that's mounted on the ground level and just aimed up, you know, at the third floor or even the 20th floor Mm -hmm. or whatever. I don't imagine that it would be effective in that way. And if you did do that, you would have to have your vehicle somewhere parked nearby, Mm -hmm. uh, a a government facility. Or you would have to, yeah. You would have to retrofit an entire uh, nearby structure, and it would have to be within about, uh, from what we know, it would have to be in about a 0.6-mile radius. So it would be easy to search that radius to find something like that. It's, it's an elephant that's difficult to hide. But we should also point out, this kind of technology, at least micro, weaponized microwaves, are an old, old idea Me and my friends weren't the first people who thought of this, and whomever is designing the current weaponry, uh, whomever is responsible for these alleged attacks, if they are microwave weapons, they're not the first people to think of it. The Soviet Union bombarded the American embassy in Moscow with microwaves in, like, the 1970s. It's, It's spooky, spooky stuff. So it certainly feels like it could be something that was being done again. Oh, Um, yeah. And it's and it's fascinating because it's not something that would necessarily kill anyone, but it would cause probably the same reaction that we saw where officials are being forced to evacuate those buildings and leave their posts. Yeah. For sure. Really quickly, I do want to, I, I think I was a little uh, unclear or maybe even misleading at the top. The listener who was writing in is clearly, I believe is from India mm-hmm. and connecting this, announcement of the uh, scientific panel describing these diplomats falling ill as having likely been caused by these weapons we're talking about. The India story is separate. There, there are reports of people in India getting sick, but there, but this is just conjecture on the part of the listener. So um, mm. everything we've talked about is, is completely relevant, but I just wanted to make sure that was clear. This is absolutely an update to that original story from Cuba, from that, ah. from that uh, uh, embassy. Totally. Double stories. It's like a it's like a double sized comic book. Exactly. If anybody in the audience remembers those. Uh, Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Follow up on that tangentially related story about microwave weapons at the line of actual control, which is the name of the very intense China India border. The Indian army rejected the claims that there were microwave weapons used to attack Indian soldiers. So. The wronged party is saying it didn't happen. Wow. Interesting. I wonder, I wonder why. Okay. I mean, diplomacy's a hell of a drug, you know? Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, but yeah. No, this is, this is something. And then you got to start thinking like, is this the kind, you know, I always think of that scene in Back to the Future when uh, Marty McFly is trying to trick you know, his young version of his father played by Crispin Glover into like asking Elaine out to the dance or whatever. And so he puts on this like, uh, you know, Breaking Bad kind of hazard suit with his gas mask on. And then he puts the headphones on, you know, George McFly as he's sleeping and then blasts him with Van Halen. And he's like debilitated where he's like under the control of, of Marty, who he thinks is a space alien. Um, 
that's what I always think of when I think of like the idea of pointing a thing at somebody and then rendering them, you know, like completely inert um, or just crumbling into like a puddle of jelly on the floor. What if you could make larger scale versions of these things to like disperse huge crowds and just absolutely render people completely useless? Or you could use it on armies, you know? Isn't that a game changer for war? Is that good? Is that something we want? Or is it going to fall into the wrong hands like everything does? <laughs> yeah, uh. there is something Promethean about it. Uh, the U.S. deployed a microwave weapon in or millimeter weapon, whatever you want to call it, in Afghanistan, according to reports. But the official story is they withdrew it from the field before it was ever used on human targets. Still, mm. fog of war. A lot of stuff yep. slips through. I mean, it feels like the kind of thing you would mount around Washington, D.C. and other major right. cities where you could disperse large crowds if uh, you felt so inclined as someone in power. Or as a perimeter holder, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like around like a place where you can't, like, like, like literally like an invisible force field. Or when you get too close, you start grabbing your head and shrieking like that scene in Scanners where the guy's head blows up. Mm-hmm. It's very video game-like to me. The only problem is the energy drain. It's energy-wise, ah. it's it's not super efficient. It's very yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To have it running expensive. constantly would be mm-hmm. yeah, that would be a real real suck on resources. Yeah, but if you get sixteen hours notice that there's going to be a riot <laughs> at the White House, <laughs> duh. Yikes! Uh, and this paper um, that was you know published by this group of, of scientists and medical experts completely validates findings by. A previous medical team, um, Douglas H. Smith, who actually published a separate study in uh, a medical journal in 2018, said that exposure to microwaves uh, were the most likely culprit for these types of um, symptoms. So, you know, sort of case closed, at least in this case. But I think we're going to hear a lot more about these types of weapons as it seems like they've gotten more effective. Mm -hmm. Mount them on drones. Right. Right. Once you get the energy drain problem figured out, figure out how to make them solar powered and mount them on drones. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you just have to, I guess, figure out um, what you do for crowd control at night. What a time to be alive. Well, how about we take a quick sponsor break and then come back with another message from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Okay, and we are back. Now for this next message, we are going to our voicemail system. Remember, that is 1-833-STD-WYTK. You can always leave us a message. We are always waiting for you to call in. And if you do, uh, I recommend sending something like this. Hey, guys. Um, I'm calling from Ireland. And I wanted to know if you'd ever heard of Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. It's an area roughly in Leinster in Ireland where between six and eight women have vanished and have, there's been no trace of them. All the women were young. The oldest was in her, was the oldest was 40. They were traveling on their own in the 90s in Ireland between 1993 and 1998. And they disappeared without a trace. Something that's pretty well known here in Ireland. I thought you might be interested in looking it up. Have a great day and feel free to use my voice on the podcast. I've no issue with that. Bye. Kira, thank you so much for this message. This is, um, it's kind of rare for me, guys. I, I had not heard of this one. Same. Not, not in the least. I had not heard of this either and agreed. Thank you so much, Kira, for letting us know about it. I actually called Kira because you can do that now that we have the Internet. Usually you can't call, you know, from the United States to Ireland without spending a tire, an entire mountain of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoke to her a little bit just about this area about the Wicklow mountains out there. It's just South of Dublin in the whole triangle area that we're speaking mm-hmm. about here. Mm-hmm. And if you've, uh, if you're looking at a map of Ireland and you check out Dublin, it's, uh, you know, probably the easiest city to find there. And if you check out Dublin and you just go South a bit, you will see a mountain range. Those are the Wicklow mountains. 
And that is kind of pretty much that whole mountain range, the surrounding area as the mountains are going up. That's what we're talking about with the vanishing triangle. And there are a lot of smaller towns that go around those mountains. And that's, that's really what we're looking at. I, I found several articles looking at this and there are, there's of course reporting that goes back in to 1993, I believe. But I was looking at one article from ABC News here in the U.S. called Ireland's Vanishing Triangle, and it was posted in 2006. And you can find a lot of great information there if you're looking to also follow this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just give you a couple highlights here. It is between 1993 and 1998 that there were six women that went missing. There's roughly an 80-mile area. Mm-hmm. where this vanishing triangle exists and it begins in Dublin where several people disappeared then it goes southwest to a place called Moon M O O N E uh, where another person vanished and then it goes back north a ways to a seaside town called Dundalk D U N D A L K mm-hmm. where another person went missing okay. now something important to note here we're talking about numerous victims or at least, you know, missing persons. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when there is, like, let's say this was a a serial killer at work, a lot of times the characteristics of the victims would be shared. There would be similarities between them um, for one reason or another because of the preferences of the killer. In this case, the only thing that really unites them is that they are women, and they are in a rough age range of kind of late teens, to, I believe, 39. I think Kira says a 40-year-old right. uh, in her message, but I believe it's a 39-year-old that went Eva missing. Brennan, yeah. Correct. If you're just talking about the stuff that occurred in the 1990s, the drama, the the heartbreak, the horror for all of the families involved, that's that's one thing. And then in the year 2000, that changed because there hadn't been a suspect for all of those years until there was a, a rape case and an attempted murder case mm-hmm. where a single person was uh, was arrested and tried and sentenced. That man's name was Larry Murphy. His name is Larry Murphy. Mm-hmm. He is still alive. Mm-hmm. There is a storied history with this man because he did go, he was imprisoned for a long time, well, quite a while, until he was released. Right. That's right. You, you heard this. He, this man was released and just allowed to live his life. The crazy thing is that he, he was never connected to any of these um, other, you know, these missing persons cases. However, there's a lot of things about him that make you feel like maybe he would be. And he was, he was considered the prime suspect for these missing persons cases. However, there wasn't any real evidence linking him to any of them. Uh, He worked at the, uh, he had some tangential connection, I believe. He, yeah, he was a carpenter. Yeah, and, and he did and, some work at a shop owned by one of the victim's grandmothers, but that's not enough to go to court with. It, it's not. Um, and he was working near somebody else, when, who, another person that went missing. He was working near them at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much to unpack here. I kind of I hesitate to even go too much further into it in this format. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're out there listening, generally what we'll do for these is do some initial research and just have a conversation about it. When we're doing our regular episodes, we go, we dive deep into all this stuff. We spend, you know, 
days on it. And I kind of want to do that for yeah, it's on the this list. case. Totally. Agreed. One thing I will say, Kira, is that from my understanding now, the victim who was with child was murdered in October 2012. That renewed interest in this. But her remains were found, right? To my knowledge, the eight from the Vanishing Triangle in the mid to late 90s, those folks have never been found, um, which leads to all sorts of dark possibilities uh, we will explore in full because this is this is an ongoing case and uh, I feel like it's the right thing to do. I, th- I think it is and, and especially since the person who is considered the primary suspect mm-hmm. is free and he has been spotted. It's actually this it's a phenomena that you mm-hmm. can find online where there's reporting about where this guy, Larry Murphy, has been. And he's spotted here, he's spotted there. And in a in a strange, morbid way, it's kind of akin to Elvis sightings mm-hmm. because sometimes it's not him that's being sighted, but the fear of him being in your town, uh, it, it generates such uh, anxiety that the thought of him being in that town is enough to make you go, oh God, there's that might be him or that is him. But then he has been actually cited in a lot of different places, hanging out with uh, several people who are known criminals. Right. And it is just, um, eh, I don't know. He also it, didn't it, serve his full sentence. I he believe. did not. He did not serve his full sentence. Um, and what he did to go to jail was horrifying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he only um, got 15, I think. And then he served 10. Served 10. Yeah. A lot to go over here. But, uh, yes. Yeah. And so while we are, while we are preparing for that, and thank you again, Kira, while we are preparing for that, uh, do feel free to send us uh, your input, your insight, uh, or even your Larry Murphy sightings. I hope this is not something I come to regret calling for, but uh, it feels important. And we want to have, as always, we want to have as much information as possible. Yeah. Uh, Just on the phone, she gave us a quote from her father. I'm going to read this. I hope she doesn't mind. Um, she said her dad used to say you couldn't go into the mountains without finding a body. doesn't have anything to do necessarily with these missing persons cases, mm-hmm. just that the that mountain area seems to be a common place for bodies to end up. Yeah, there are areas like that here in the States, and there are areas like that here in Atlanta when they are known to the community. I think uh, some of us, some of our fellow listeners might be surprised to find just how common it is for uh, communities to have places like that, that everybody knows about. The What's the, in the Sopranos, what was the area up there in Jersey with all the Pine Barrens? Pine Barrens. Mm-hmm. God, that is like everyone's favorite Sopranos episode of all time. Again, for good reason. Um... Jack O'Brien was actually just on an episode of a, a show called Pada Bing that's about the Sopranos. And he made the point that, yeah, we all know Pine Barrens is your favorite Sopranos episode. Dig a little deeper, but it's so mm-hmm. good. Steve Buscemi directed that one, too. Mm. I haven't watched The Sopranos yet. Mm. I'll get to it, I guess. Get with it. It's good yeah. stuff. Uh, I guess I'll just watch Pine Barrens. I saw the yeah, last just, episode. Just, well, it's a bottle episode. It's like it's very, it's completely self-contained. Um, it's it's Polly and uh, and uh, what's his name, Christopher Moltisanti, and it's wonderful. It's got a lot of comedy. Maybe comedy would help, but um, 
But yeah, to that to that point, you know, we even see it occurred in fiction. There are dark places out there, and uh, if you hear rumors about those places, uh, it's not uncommon for those rumors to be founded in truth. But we are on the case, and hopefully, uh, we can bring more visibility to this story. Great, thanks again, Kira, and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we are back for our final piece of listener mail today, which uh, 
which spoke to me in a way. We'll do, we'll do excerpts here. This listener wrote to us, fantastic letter, and then wrote a second letter saying, I've thought about it. Please keep me anonymous. So we're already starting from a base level of intrigue. Here we go. Greetings, conspiracy friends. First, I'd like to thank you sincerely for all the thought, time, and effort you put into producing a great show. I've been a fan of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know since the YouTube-only days, and I can't begin to tell you how much you all have entertained me, made me laugh, think, and gotten me through some not-so-fun times. I'm writing to pass on a little bit of information I know about a topic that I think can make an interesting segment or even a full episode. I've listened to the vast majority of your episodes, but if I somehow missed you covering this, I apologize in advance. I'll just quote the headline of an article that I came across a few years ago. Kazakhstan and the Illuminati in an unfinished metropolis. Mm, chef's kiss. Wow. Anonymous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Solid headline. They're, they're in an unfinished metropolis. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, that sounds weird, right? Says Anonymous. Apparently, there are many conspiracy theories surrounding the Kazakh capital, Astana, which is known as Nur Sultan now, as, as a note, uh, and alleged ties to occult symbolism and everyone's favorite boogeyman, the Illuminati. If you haven't seen pictures of the city and some of the buildings and monuments, I highly suggest checking some photos out. If nothing else, the city is undeniably odd. The articles I've seen on the city and these theories seem to borrow from the same primary sources and don't take an investigative deep dive. I'm sure you guys will be able to come up with something much more compelling uh, than what I found in a cursory Google search. Uh, and Anonymous goes on to say that they've been fascinated with this for a while and they believe that they do see some occult symbolism there. And it's interesting, Matt, this reminds me of our earlier talk uh, in Founding Fathers 1 about Freemasons and Washington, D.C. Uh, Anonymous says, I thought everyone would appreciate this. Anonymous says, but the main question that comes to mind when I see the undeniably occult symbolism throughout the city is, why? <laughs> why would you do that? I think that's a question we've all had at this point. And uh, Anonymous lists a couple of possible possible answers. Uh, is there any history of cities being erected for secret societies? I mean, yes, kind of. Depends on what you mean by society and secret, but yes, Anonymous, there is. Uh, is Astana, or Nur Sultan as it's known now, supposed to be to the Illuminati what D.C. is to the Freemasons? Was it just an overzealous city planner? Did the Kazakh government have an ill-conceived plan to increase tourism? Or, I love this part, Maybe it's something they don't want us to know. Oh. So uh, shout out to you, Anonymous. We've respected your wishes to not reveal your name or too many personal details. But this sent me down a bit of a rabbit hole. I'm fascinated with the stands, as I call them, the um, collection of Eurasian countries that have been often – we talk about them in the Great Game classic that published recently – uh, these these countries have been seen by various uh, movers and shakers in the world of geopolitics as like the chessboard one needs to control. Uh, Britain and Russia fought over them. China and Russia are fighting over them. The U.S. is currently operating in several of them. And the weirdest thing about this is that uh, Nur Sultan or Astana, as it was once known, 
is a very young city. Like the thing that would become it was founded back in 1830. Mm. And that should be unusual, you know, because this is also the rough area of the world where there are many ancient cities like Samarkand, you know, Uh, for Astana to be so comparatively young, I think that gives us a starting point. But first off, had you guys ever heard of this, this concept? I'd certainly never heard of this, and I didn't even look, I haven't spent much time looking at the capital city. There's some incredible buildings and super just intriguing layout. It it makes your eye go to really cool places, to cool angles, um, depending on where you're situated, especially if you're far away from some of the larger landmarks. It is very similar to Washington, D.C., (laughs) <laughs> and if you think about the the National Mall and some of the, some of the layout there, mm-hmm. where you've got long vistas that go to a couple different things out beyond in the distance, and and also the you know the bit of a pentagram that is formed with some of the streets and stuff that we've talked about before in <clears throat> Washington D.C., but it's not real. None of that's real, but it definitely looks that way from above. Um, I'm fascinated by all that stuff. And then I'm seeing some of the similarities, especially in this Atlas Obscura article where Mm -hmm. it's pointing to the, quote, typical layout of a Masonic temple with the pillars and then the, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, behind it, the, it's not the throne, but it's the, the temple or the, Mm -hmm. um, what do you, I I don't know what the name of the altar, the altar. Thank you. Jeez. (laughs) What's the name? What's the Neve? Is that the part like behind the altar? Anybody the know nave? the nave, the nave. It's the it's the uh, central part of the building. It's where oh. most of a congregation sits. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was like a. It sounds like like nook like to me. Like I don't know. Never mind. Um, what what is the beef with the Illuminati? I know that's like a silly question. We did an episode recently where we kind of demystified at least the beginnings of the Illuminati as just sort of like another Enlightenment secret society, much like the Freemasons, that isn't inherently nefarious, but it's gotten this, you know, reputation and there's this, you know, kind of like ominous tone surrounding it way more so than even the the um, the Freemasons. Or the Rosicrucians or, or a lot of those other groups. Is there like some, I know there's the Illuminatus trilogy, which is fiction, but like where, where does the, the distrust come from of this, uh, this organization? Uh, let me quote George Orwell from 1984. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stomping on a human face forever. <laughs> primary objection to the conspiratorial Illuminati organization is that it functions as a hidden hand with every action meant to further consolidate control. Uh, And that it's sort of a control for its own sake, which is one of the big points of 1984. The methods of doing so, if such an organization exists and is capable of doing this, uh, would in would rely intensely on deception and the exploitation of existing social, social, socioeconomic structures. So you would have people sending innocent folks to war just to consolidate control. And nothing like that has been conclusively proven on a huge scale. 
But we know very well that the conversations world leaders have alone in back rooms are very different from the conversations they have in public or the speeches they make when they want support from the military or voters or corporations. Mm. So that's that's yeah. the main objection, I, I would say. I see what you're saying there, Ben, and I totally agree with you. For me, I think I see it a little bit as the most tangible version of God or a God that we can kind of imagine, mm. like a controlling force that is always there, but you can't see it. And you know that it's acting, it's, it's influence is acting around your world and causing things to happen and people to maybe die or mm -hmm. other bad things to occur. Or like you said, just for control to be harnessed further. Um, but rather than it, you know, being a deity or a God, it's just a group of really powerful people. So it feels more realistic, I think. Yeah, yeah. And as I said earlier in our episodes on the Illuminati, the thing about that is ask yourself what is more likely. Is there a small group, a comparatively small group of people that controls the entirety of the world? Or are there several small groups of powerful people who feel like they should be in charge? You know what I mean? There's not as much uh, cooperation. And also the belief in this force with total control, whether it's nefarious or whether it's um, beneficent, it's more comforting than the idea of chaos in a lot of ways. Sure. But but it doesn't come from nowhere. You guys got to look at the architecture and it's weird for sure. It's a vibe or it's mood AF as we might describe mm -hmm. it. But also this city is unfinished. The construction is continuing. Kazakhstan is the most wealthy of the Stans. It's an oil money, black gold, Texas tea country. And there are billions of billions of dollars pouring through it. You know, I don't want to make some like cheap hacky Borat joke about potassium or whatever, because this, this country is a big deal. And the, the transformation. So Nur Sultan became the capital in 1998. It wasn't the capital before then, and it's not the biggest city. It's the second biggest city, and there are billions of dollars being spent as we speak on, uh, on construction, on new buildings. It's interesting. For anybody who wants a look at, I love learning about other countries, so anybody who wants to look at another country in a way that feels um, oriented to what your day-to-day -day life would be like there, or what it would be like to visit, I highly recommend Wiki Travel because it's it, it's <laughs> the editing is clear. It's clear when someone who like owns a restaurant in Nur Sultan is writing about the good restaurants in Nur Sultan, <laughs> and it's clear when they're tourists, and it's clear when uh, stuff is being pulled from a, a state level resource. But I, I would I would recommend starting there to read a little bit about the history of the place. Uh, of course, as Anonymous recommends, I would also check out that Atlas Obscura article. There's also a interesting interesting book you can see a trailer for called the Astana Challenge. I know uh, Astana Architecture, Myth, and Destiny. It's by a guy named Dr. Frank Albo, a Cambridge historian and expert on the architecture of secret societies. 
So I'm not sure where this book is going to go because I haven't read it yet, but now I'm definitely going to check it out. One of the buildings that I think is is most uh, striking is something called the Palace of Peace. Mm -hmm. It's like a pyramid-shaped kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, tiled. um, There's a name for that type of decor. Like mosaic? Yeah, mosaic, exactly. Um, And it reminds me a lot of the temple from the end of the fantastic uh, psychedelic horror film Mandy. Um, where uh, Nicolas Cage's character kind of has to venture into the abyss of this, you know, cult, uh, occult kind of temple pyramid thing. Um, it is super striking. Some of the comparisons between the Illuminati and the architecture I find to be a little bit of a stretch, but, like, I, I, it's it's fascinating to look at, and it's absolutely uh, unusual, I would say. Yeah, agreed. I have some associates yeah, with with experience in this um, in this area, and I'm I'm gonna reach out to them because I think we could make a full episode here. You can find the story, or the official story at least, uh, about the genesis of this construction, and there's no denying whether you look at it through the lens of conspiratorial matters or secret societies, or whether you look at it through a purely objective architectural lens it looks wild uh there's a great there's a great article in the guardian that i think uh people might enjoy called astana kazakhstan the space station in the steppes and they, i i agree with it we're talking like a 62 meter high silver pyramid giant green gold cones cuz why not uh the baterick tower mhm Oh yeah, that slaps. And and also we have to we have to mention praising the architecture or being legitimately impressed by the scale and the grandeur of something should not be mistaken as an endorsement of the country itself. Kazakhstan in like 2010 was ranking 142nd in the World Press Freedom Index, 120th in the Corruption Perception index like it's yes the reality is not as nice as the buildings and there's a very well established history in a lot of corrupt parts of the world uh, especially parts of the world that have strongmen as leaders uh, that history says let's build big grandiose buildings in the capital you know what i mean oh yeah like that uh, washington monument oh, and there's and there's Sorry. one <laughs> yeah, like that Washington Monument. That guy raises his hand in the brainstorming meeting, and they say, "Do you have a question?" And he says, "No, I'm saying it should look like this." Just keep going. <laughs> so, uh, so there's another thing here, something slightly sinister about Nur Sultan, which it doesn't have like a a booming nightlife, doesn't have a bohemian quarters, or as journalist Rowan Moore puts it, it uh, it doesn't have hidden surprises. It seems sedate. So what what is going on there? Why is I mean, there an eye in the pyramid? If you see all the images that they got for that Atlas Obscura article in 2014, there is nobody on the streets. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Hey, that, that I, you know, I, was, I couldn't put my finger on what was so eerie about it, and that's exactly what it is. Well, it, <laughs> yeah. it looks like images early on this year when the pandemic first, you know, began and quarantine 
the quarantine for everyone started mm-hmm. it looked like those kind of empty streets but it was in 2014 so it, i'm interested in just the stage of construction and population growth and everything mm-hmm. at that time but uh i'm definitely going to be just going down a rabbit hole myself on this one at least <laughs> i don't know if you guys clocked it i didn't want to be uh i don't want to open with this because it felt like it would be um rude on my part but you know, I said the name of the of the city changed from Astana to Nur Sultan. Uh, Nur Sultan. Uh, that's the first name of the president. the The ruler, or excuse me, the chairman of the Security Council of Kazakhstan. His name is Nur Sultan Nazarbayev. It's just a coincidence, I'm sure. Imagine naming the capital city <laughs> after yourself and changing the name. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's wild. That is, uh, who? That's a lot. <laughs> here's, here's, okay, dumb, maybe a dumb question, but like, what would it take to change the name of a U.S. city? A vote, political a vote. pressure and a vote. Yeah. yeah. Like okay. a street name, but a little more difficult, requiring yeah. more organizing. Would the people have that? So it would be a vote like to the people, to the citizens mm-hmm. of that state. Yeah. Yeah. We just like, have like to a go, referendum of some kind. Got yeah. It. Yeah, exactly. We just have to go. Uh, it, it would have to be something the community supports for its. Uh, for most states or most small communities or towns, it would be up to them and they could have their own vote. And then they would probably have to petition with some authorities to have the name change. Uh, but for larger cities, like capital cities of a state, I'm just speaking about the U.S. here, or like Washington, D.C., it would be an enormous undertaking. As a matter of fact, I think you could make a pretty good argument that if someone, if there was a movement to change the name of Washington, D.C. to something else, it, it would be bad. It, it would be an indicator of instability for mm-hmm. the country, whether or not mm-hmm. you're on board with calling it, you know, um, Chuck E. Cheese or Quasar One or whatever you want to name it. But then if you went to like, if the people of Pigeon Forge want to honor Dolly Parton, after she passes, then they could name they could rename their town to Dolly. Probably. How about just Dollyville? Yeah, they they did that, didn't they? Well, no, that's Dollywood. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, which right. is the uh, the <laughs> resort joking. theme park. <laughs> uh, so it would be confusing to have Dolly and then Dollywood, or like Dollyville and then Dollywood. But you know, you know, there are things you work out. Uh, but that's a good question. I I am not aware of a petition to change the name of a town, but it has to have happened. Uh, I don't think if it was in the U.S., I don't think Nur Sultan was involved because if Nazarbayev was involved, we would have, it would have been named after him, clearly. Yeah. Right? Uh, I need you guys to, at some point to check out the Kazakh National University of Arts there in Nur Sultan. It looks incredible. It looks like the base for, or um, it's got a concave top, uh, spherical concave top, and it goes down like this. And it looks like the base for some spherical thing to land inside of it. It looks spaceship. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, also that name change uh, to Nur Sultan occurred on uh, March of last year. And it's, it's, there's kind of a Medvedev Putin thing going on here. Because I, I am not persuaded that this guy is actually retired. I think he's doing a power behind the throne thing. And maybe anonymous, he's working with the Illuminati. We'll find out. Would you guys like to do a full episode on this? Do you think it would be worth 
worthwhile to get weird with it in uh, Eurasia? I'm down. I like talking about architecture and uh, secret societies and spooky stuff. It's sign yeah. me up. Yeah, I'm down. I want to keep looking at this. The the Khan Shatir building looks like that Cirque du Soleil big top that they always put up seasonally around Lenox Mall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, Atlantic Station, and and here in Atlanta. And the I didn't realize the largest mosque in Central Asia is located in this city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, it's it's true. It's uh there there's a there are a ton of fascinating things about this area of the world and about Kazakhstan specifically that aren't just really examined in the West, you know? So we would we would love to explore that in a future episode. So thank you again, Anonymous. Thank you as well, Kira. We will explore the vanishing triangle in an upcoming episode. And Shawnee L. Shawnee L. And of course, thank you to everyone else who has called uh, who has written to us, who has posted on social media, or did weird invocations, according to books I will not name on air. <laughs> uh, but before we wrap up, one quick correction that I wanted to make here. Uh, we talked about Black Friday earlier, and we said uh, we propagated the common belief that it is named after the period when businesses go from being in debt in red ink to being in the black, making a profit. However, the true story takes place in Philly. Police use the phrase Black Friday to describe the sheer amount of human traffic, both in vehicles and on foot, that would occur the day after Thanksgiving. Right. Did not know that. But just because this segment is over does not mean the show has stopped The only way this continues is with your help. So please write to us. Please call us. uh, Please contact us through whichever means you feel most uh, efficacious for you. We are on the internet. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, We'd like to recommend, of course, here's where it gets crazy. Learn more with uh, the best part of the show, your fellow listeners. But hey, you say... I have listened to you guys extensively dunk on social media, and it turned out you were on the money about a lot of it, so I don't use Facebook. How do I get in touch with you? Yeah, I just use the other social media, YouTube, because we're still there. No, I'm just joking. That's not the best way to get in touch with us. One of the best ways to get in touch with us is to do what Kira did. Leave us a message. We have a phone number. It is 1-833-STDWYTK. Please just let us know if you're all right with us using your message in one of these listener mail episodes. Also, be aware that when you do call in, your number gets left on our voicemail machine. It is like any other voicemail, like on your phone when someone leaves it to you, the caller number is there. So if you don't want to have your number on it, please use a Google Voice or some other alternative phone number to call in for that service. Um, And uh, yeah, anything you want to talk about, you got three minutes, leave us a message. And chances are not bad uh, for you to get a call directly from Mr. Matty Frederick right here. You might have heard him casually reference having chats with some of the listeners whose uh, messages we talk about. It's a, it's a true thing. Yeah, it happens, uh, even if you don't want it to. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hence, use, use the Google Voice if you don't yeah. want Matty calling you, because <laughs> he'll, he'll do it. Sorry. But also, there's other ways to contact us. Uh, one of the best ways is that good old-fashioned email that we keep around. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. 
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast, Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.